Pastor Xavier Reese, revealing the bondage in the practice of mere religion. Religion's customs and practices are hard to break, aren't they? They hold people bound to their ignorance in doing things that may hinder their life, destroy their life, or waste their life away. Don't be religious. You get all messed up. Be real. Check everything by the Word of God, and God will bless you. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Samuel, the last of the judges of Israel, admonished King Saul in 1 Samuel 15 with these words, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. This proves to be a poignant, simple truth in light of a rash vow of Jephthah that God did not require, which would cost him dearly. Pastor Xavier brings us the conclusion of Jephthah's whirlwind rise from outcast to man of valor, only to be followed up by his disastrous adherence to a very foolish vow involving a needless sacrifice. Let's listen. Judges chapter 11, we're going to look at um, the entire chapter. The uh, message is entitled, Jephthah, Zeal Without Knowledge. What we want to do is look at Jephthah, the judge, to deliver Israel here from his enemies, which is presented to us through a threefold lens. First, we have Jephthah, the social outcast, in verse 1 through 11. Then we have Jephthah, the military captain, 12 through 28. And third, Jephthah, the religious fool, 29 through 40. Outcast, captain, and fool. It's best to begin as fool, be outcast, and end up as captain. That'd be a better order. Uh, He is identified in four ways in the opening passages. In verse 1, Jephthah was identified as a Gileadite. His name refers to his father, who was Gilead, as you know. Jephthah was identified, secondly, as a mighty man of valor. He was a mighty man of valor, meaning he was a man of strength, ability, and efficiency in warfare, a courageous man. Jephthah, thirdly, is identified as the son of a harlot. In the time of Solomon, as you know, harlots uh, were openly roaming the streets, and he warned solemnly against them and the young man, lest he be taken in by her. Proverbs uh, 7, 12, 9, 14, and many other portions. Now notice Jephthah is also identified as begotten of Gilead. He was the illegitimate son of Gilead, a descendant of Gilead, the son of Micar, we're told, the son of Manasseh, called after the name of his great ancestors there in 1 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 through 17. Notice that he was rejected by his stepbrothers in verse 2 and 3. Now notice the reason in verse 2 behind the expulsion was due to the inherent rights, greed. He fled from his brothers indicating a separation and haste and suddenness. Now, notice in verse 4 through 11, he was sought out by men from uh, the town of his stepbrothers uh, due to the threat of war. Uh, The solicitation was for the help of Jephthah then. And these guys uh, have no problems coming to him right now. The delegation, notice, traveled to seek Jephthah himself. 
It was so that when the people of Oman made war against Israel, the elders of Gilead went to get Jephthah from the land of Tob. The proposal was that he be their military leader. Now remember, these guys have kicked him out. If you don't have character, what you do is you use people, whatever your need may be. You'll say whatever needs to. In verse 7, the man Jephthah rebuked him for being opportunist. So Jephthah said to the elders again, did you not hate me and expel me from my father's house? Why have you come to me now when you are in distress? And that's just the point. He's, he's, he's smacking them across the face. The elders admitted their motive for seeking him was the present threat by Amman. The negotiation was settled to secure the help of Jephthah. He did not trust them in view of their past rejection of him. So he proposed the condition of being their leader after delivering them. Because he knew, well, what's going to keep you from kicking me out again? They said, the Lord Yahweh will be a witness between us if we do not do according to our words. Jephthah was a social outcast due to the circumstances of his birth. Notice the second picture we get of him is Jephthah, the military captain. In 12 and 13, Jephthah sent envoys to the king of Ammon. He asked the king what he had against him in verse 12. He sent messengers saying, what do you have against me that you have come to fight against me in my land? See, he's the representative now. He's the head, my land. The king accused Israel of having taken his land when they came out of Egypt in verse 13. The charge was false. You can read Numbers 21, 22, 23 with Moab and Balaam. And when they went through there, Deuteronomy chapter 2 is another chapter. So he, he's, he, he knows his history. Notice he declared in verse 16 through 20 the steps Israel took to ask permission to pass through the land as they came out of Egypt. Then in 19 and 20, Israel did the same with Sihon, king of the Amorites, and Heshbon. But Sihon didn't trust Israel. So he gathered all his people to Jahaz and fought against him, if you remember. He declared that Israel had acquired the land by defeating the king of the Amorites. So he debunks his entire charges and he demonstrates that he's wrong historically. The people of Israel took possession of all the land of the Amorites from Arnon to Jabbok and from the wilderness to the Jordan. God gave it to them. They defeated them in war. They were attacked by the Amorites. Jephthah then denounced the king of the Amor or Ammon here by open rebuke in verse 24 through 26. In 27, he stated his innocence in the matter as Israel's representative. Therefore, I have not sinned against you, but you wronged me by fighting against me. He commended himself to the ultimate judge. Don't miss this. May the Lord Yahweh, the judge, render judgment this day between the children of Israel and the people of Ammon. However, the king of the people of Ammon did not heed the words of Jephthah sent him. Jephthah was the military captain due to the circumstances of war. It just came upon him. Notice thirdly, Jephthah, the religious fool. What a way to finish. <laughs> Listen, 
I hope you've got your heart open and your brain ready to learn so you don't die a fool. It's okay to start as a fool, but not to stay as a fool. He was chosen and prepared by God to defeat the Ammonites. 29. He was supernaturally empowered as the eighth judge. The spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah. The spirit of the Lord enabled him to be victorious just like Gideon and the others. No, no natural ability is sufficient for you. I don't care what, you, th- what you're, you think you are, your education or anything else. Without the Spirit of God, you just are living for yourself and you'll end up destroying yourself and you'll live for yourself. No way for but about it. He judged for seven years. Chapter 12, verse 7 tells us. God has directed him. God has empowered him. Remember, we just finished uh, Gideon. Now, In verse 30 and 31, he was moved to make a vow to God to ensure his victory over the Ammonites. Jephthah vows a religious man's vow. That's how he's vowing. How do I know that? By what he's asking. Because I know the word of God. He apparently was very familiar with the history, but not with the scriptures of God. Notice he says, if you will indeed deliver the people of Ammon into my hands. He attempted to get God on his side. No, 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 listen, this is important. It's important that you're on God's side. That's the key. He bargains with God in a time of need. This is the religious person. Jephthah vows as a pagan. Listen carefully in 31. Then it will be that... Whatever comes out of the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the people of Ammon shall surely be the Lord's and I will offer it up as a burnt offering. The vow to offer the Lord the first thing that comes out of the door of his house. What was he expecting? A donkey? Maybe his mother-in-law. I don't know. I don't know. But certainly it's a person, right? He vows a burnt offering, dedicated, consecrated to God completely, to be burnt completely on the altar. We know this from the offerings of Leviticus. So he's familiar. And notice in 32 and 33, he was given victory then by the Lord. He makes this vow, now he takes us to the victory. Jephthah rode into battle in 32. He advanced towards the people of Ammon, fought against them, and the Lord delivered them into his hand. Once again, Jephthah is the instrument, right? Like Gideon. Once again, the Lord defeats him, right? In 33, notice Jephthah conquered the Ammonites, defeating them from Arnon to Minnith, 20 cities, from Abel to Kermin, with the very great slaughter. The people of Ammon were subdued before the children of Israel, so the territory is vast. The cities... 20. The slaughter, great. The submission of Israel or to Israel was complete. Who did this? God did. Who's the instrument? Son of a harlot. Look at 34 through 40. Now we see him foolish enough to keep his vow. Listen carefully. Jephthah arrives home to be greeted by his daughter. Well, she was the first thing to come out of his house. When Jephthah came out of his house at Mizpah, there was his daughter. She came out celebrating his victory. She was the only child 
Besides her, there was neither son nor daughter. It, it gets worse as we go on, doesn't it? In 35, Jephthah played the fool. Listen carefully. He expressed his grief physically. He's a religious man. And it came to pass when he saw her, he tore his clothes. Grief, lament, agony. Oh! He blames his daughter for his sad circumstance and says, Alas, my daughter, you have brought me very low. You are among those who trouble me. Huh? Religious. But she's not innocent. She's part of the problem also. She is the product of her father. Ooh, be careful, fathers. Make sure you are given the representation of Jesus Christ. He was too religious to retract his vow or acknowledge his error. For I have given my word to the Lord Yahweh. I cannot go back on it. Really? Remember the idea behind the name Mizpah is watchtower, lookout. God was watching all this foolishness. He sees everything open and naked with whom we have to do with all the time. The law never required a vow, but if one made a vow, he was to keep it. In Numbers 30, verse 2, Leviticus 18, 21, just a few passages. The vow of Jephthah was a direct contradiction to the law, as you know. It did not require or allow human sacrifice. That's why I'm saying he's religious. He's a pagan here. This was a practice of the heathen, an abomination to God. We see a king in 1 Kings 16.3 and other passages where he sacrifices a son and desperation is defeated by the enemy. The vow is in accord with the time of judges. When every man was doing that which was right in their own eyes because there was no king on the throne of Israel. Judges 17.6 and 21.25. This is what happens when society becomes amoral from a moral standpoint, and it goes south. No absolute right or wrong. No consequences. Society disintegrates. When godly men do not occupy a place of leadership to be examples and teach objective moral truth, right and wrong, there will be every kind of evil and sin and religious belief passed off acceptable as a work of God or goodness or whatever it may be, or even saying that it's biblical. While it is not, your responsibility and mine is to examine to find out if those things are so, what people say. Jephthah is named as one of the heroes of faith, as you know, for trusting God to, to deliver the enemy to him. But God didn't condone the heinous act here, just like he didn't condone the sexual escapades that we'll see of Samson. But he's in the hall of faith in Hebrews 11.32. He trusted God to deliver him, but God used him. But as I've told you often, God used Balaam's jackass too. So I have to judge what you say and what you do, what the scriptures declare. In 36, Jephthah allowed his daughter to go along with his religious vows to her own destruction. In 36, she was committed to the pagan practices. Listen, she said to him, My father, if you have given your words to the Lord Yahweh, do to me according to what has gone out of your mouth. This is a perfect example of religious ignorance that believes they are pleasing God. You and I used to be there, many of us. The syncretism here of paganism and its practices with Yahweh you bring your pagan practices, your traditions that are contrary to the script, you put them under the umbrella of Christianity. 
And you say it's biblical, or, or, or God, God approves it. Oh, really? Because the Lord Yahweh has avenged you of your enemies, the people of Ammon. This is a religious abuse of power that holds people bound to ignorance by perpetuating ignorance about God and the things of God. So much goes on in Christian church today like that. The things that are being taught. It's ridiculous. And people love it. They go along with it. Notice 37, 38. Jeff allowed his daughter to bewail her virginity then. The request was hers. She said to his father, let this thing be done for me. Let me alone for two months that I may go and wander in the mountains and bewail my virginity, my friends and I. The event is recorded. So he said, go. And he sent her away for two months and she went with her friends and bewailed her virginity in the mountains. Jephthah, after that fact, perpetuated his religious ignorance. He keeps it going. Look at 39. First, he sacrificed her to God. And it was so at the end of two months that she returned to her father and he carried out his vow with her, which he had vowed. He sacrificed her. God did not honor it, nor did he require it. God may use a person, but it doesn't mean that all that they do is according to God or that God is even pleased with it. That's not even true in your life or mine. Therefore, everything has to be examined by the word. The offering was a burnt offering dedicated completely, consecrated, burned on the altar, according to Leviticus. The response of Jephthah as his daughter walked out confirms the understanding of his vow, what it meant. It meant her death. Look at 35 again. Alas, my daughter, you have brought me very low. You are among those who trouble me. She was going to die. He was going to be childless. He would have no grandchildren. Simple. Notice he sacrificed her as a virgin. She knew no man. Being a virgin was commendable for the time of the judges, but allowing herself to go along with this foolishness was not very commendable. But remember, she's the product of her father in her environment, right? They have a semblance of the word of God, but they don't understand it completely. Religiosity, opinion, customs, everything blended together, a big mess. And notice he caused the Hineas Act to become a commemorated religious custom as the ruling judge, because he's an authority. 39 at the end and 40. And it became a custom in Israel that the daughters of Israel went four days out each year to lament the daughter of Jephthah, the Gileadite. Religious customs and practices are hard to break, aren't they? They hold people bound to their ignorance. Religious customs at times add to the person's hurt in doing things that may hinder their life, destroy their life, or waste their life away in whatever it is they commit themselves to, a life of solitude or something that God never required. You know, in the Philippines, men get crucified on crosses every year at Easter to relive the crucifixion, religious zeal. It'll happen again as we turn the year and we come to Easter again. God didn't intend that. He isn't, he isn't pleased, and that goes on today. There are many people who are religious and call themselves Christians, but are not. They may be moral. They may be ethical. They may even be people of character, but that doesn't make them a Christian. Very important. 
Jesus said, told Nicodemus, you must be born again or you'll never see the kingdom of God, John 3, 3. There's your passport to heaven. You must be born again. Repentance. There are religious people who will twist the scriptures and interpret them subjectively, giving them a foreign meaning from the context, ripping it off to prove what they're teaching or saying, but again, completely out of context. To deceive the new Christians, the simple person, the gullible person. Peter puts it this way in 2 Peter 3, 16 through 18. Um, he says, as also in all his epistles, speaking of Paul, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the scriptures. You therefore, speaking to Christians, Beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the heirs of the wicked, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. The protection is your knowledge of the scriptures in context. To judge everything is the plumb line. There are many well-intended people who make vows to God and that God never asked them to make, about to never marry when they don't have the gift of celibacy and they just add to their own hurt, such as we have in the Catholic Church, the priests, the nuns, whatever it is, none of this, none of that, you know? And God never intended that. To dress a certain way, maybe because uh, they don't want to appear worldliness or because they've made some kind of vows or whatever to be out of fashion or whatever. Some people have an idea that if you're going to be a Christian, you've got to have, like you're drinking lemonade and and never be serious, you can't laugh, and you've got to be the dullest and the most boring person, and and by the way, you've got to look poor. And, And that's just the concept that we have sometimes. Dedicate themselves to a life of solitude, away from civilization. Well, what good are you then? We're the light of the world. We're to go into darkness. Now, we don't fellowship with darkness. We're there to expose the darkness. Pull people out of the fire. Listen to Solomon about vows and words. Ecclesiastes 5.2. Do not be rash with your mouth, and let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. For God is in heaven, you're on earth, therefore let your words be few. Choose your words well before God, and then it'll help you choose your words well before man. It begins with God. Jephthah was a religious fool due to the circumstances of sacrificing his daughter. Wow. Jephthah, the eighth judge, the one who was used by God to deliver Israel from Ammon, presented through the threefold lens. Jephthah was a social outcast due to the circumstances of his birth. He, had, he could do nothing about that himself. Jephthah was a military captain due to the circumstances of war. Once again, that came upon him. He could do nothing about that. But Jephthah was a religious fool due to the circumstances of sacrifice of his daughter. He had everything to do about that. Everything. And he still did it. Man, he's not there to criticize. He's there to make sure you don't follow his example. (laughs) Don't be religious. You get all messed up. Be real. Understand the word of God. Check everything by the word of God. And God will bless you. 
Pastor Xavier Rees with a revealing indictment for the practice of mere religion as illustrated by the tragic conclusion of Judges chapter 11. And this message titled, Jephthah, Zeal Without Knowledge, is available on CD upon request for just $4. And having your own copy allows you to review the study again at your own pace. Plus, we'll be able to include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is, Jephthah, Zeal Without Knowledge, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com